God is a good God. He's awesome in glory, awesome in strength, awesome in power. He's awesome in everything that He is. Father, we just give you this service right off the bat. Let it be yours. Let everything it said, done, and heard be to glorify and honor your name. Today we're starting a brand new sermon series, our Joshua series. Anybody ever heard of Joshua? If you know anything about your Bible, you've heard of Joshua. Uh, we titled this message, Fearless. Let me ask you this morning, how many of you have ever gotten yourself into a little scuffle? Any kind of a scuffle? Maybe a little tiff. Okay, maybe an all-out fight, a brawl. How many have ever done that? Well, I've got to be honest. Several years ago, I'm going to tell them myself, several years ago, actually over 40 years ago, me and a buddy were out one night minding our own business, and a guy at the table behind us started getting loud and mouthy, and we turned around to see who's making all the noise. Well, it was obvious right then that this guy had had way too much to drink, him and his whole table of buddies, and it was real obvious that these guys were also trying to pick a fight with us. We were minding our own business. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I was going to have to throw a punch. I didn't know if I was going to have to, you know, do a karate kick. I didn't know if I was going to have to do the old three stooges, two fingers in the eyeball thing. I didn't know. I was clueless. I didn't know what I was going to do. I had seen movies where fights break out. And I had seen movies where it gets really heated up and the guys rip off their shirts, you know, and get all macho. And, and uh, I'm thinking, well, I guess i got to play the part, so I take off my shirt. <laughs> and I'm noticing that nobody else takes off their shirt. And I'm thinking, no problem, they just haven't seen the movies I've seen, amen? But I mean, things are starting to heat up, and it's about to come to blows, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, comes this huge, enormous guy, probably the bouncer, comes this huge, enormous guy, steps into the middle of the circle between us, and I'm back there, tears are coming to my eyes, I'm sure I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. But he looks at these guys, and he says, which three of you want a piece of meat? Which three of you want a piece of me? And I'm thinking, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This guy was real B.A. Best attitude. Amen? <laughs> I mean, he was so bad that he shut all these guys up and they walked away. The fight ended before it got started. Man, I'm behind him saying, take a hike, you losers. <laughs> you know how you get brave when somebody else is fighting your battles? Amen? He probably looked at me and put your shirt back on. Amen? <laughs> But that guy that saved my rear end that night, and he did save my rear end. That guy that saved my rear end that night was what I'll classify as fearless. When it comes to this whole concept of being fearless, have you ever seen someone that goes through a horrendous situation in their life with no sweat? I mean, they go through it with confidence. They don't say, poor me, and uh, they don't complain. They just go through it. And you're wondering, how in the world do you do that? It's like they've got this supernatural trust in God that you can't even wrap your mind around, that you can't even get a hold of. You're wondering, how do you walk through that? I think most of us, when we see a situation like that, we think, well, I don't want to have to go through what they're going through, but I want to be like that. I want to be fearless. And I'll just say this. I think every one of us, everyone on this planet has been hardwired by God to be able to be fearless. And I say that because God in His Word says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, 
and a sound mind. Most of you have heard that scripture before. I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I believe that dreams are planted in every one of our hearts. And I believe a lot of us haven't pursued or chased those dreams because of fear. They've kept us from pursuing those dreams that God had even put in our hearts. Those dreams were his dreams. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 is going to be our uh, theme scripture through this series. But this is God speaking. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. Pretty powerful, huh? Pretty powerful. I believe with all of my heart that is for someone in this room today. Actually, it's for many someones in this room today. You know, things may not look good in your situation right now, but I can guarantee you because God said he would, that he'll be there for you, that you don't have to be afraid. Things may not be making sense right now. It may feel like a tornado has totally hit your life. You don't know how things are going to end. You don't know how things are going to play out, but I can guarantee you that God, the creator of this universe, says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. In this text I just read, that verse, he's actually addressing and talking to a man by the name of Joshua. And I want to challenge you right now. We don't have enough time to do it in the time that I'm able to preach. But I want to challenge you to go into the Old Testament, start reading in the book of Joshua, and I believe by the time we get done with this series, you're going to be able to look back and say, wow, that was the beginning of some awesome things in my life, some amazing things in my life. So God is saying to Joshua, don't be afraid. Why would he say that? Because God knew that there were going to be some things coming down the road ahead of Joshua that could definitely cause him to be afraid. And let me ask you, don't we do some crazy things out of fear? Don't we do some crazy things when we are afraid? What God wasn't telling Joshua is, hey, to magically get rid of all of your emotions. I don't believe he was telling Joshua that at all. He, wouldn't say, he wasn't saying you can never be nervous. He wasn't saying you can never be afraid or confused. That's the thing that bugs me, and I'll just classify them as kooky Christians. Those people that call you a sinner or a, a non-believer, if you ever have a doubt, if you ever have any kind of fear, guess who gave us those emotions in the first place? God. God gave us those emotions. No, we're not supposed to be dictated by those emotions. They're not supposed to define what we do and what we don't do because we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight, not by emotions, but by faith. But I believe God was telling Joshua, it's okay to have feelings. You're only human, Joshua. It's okay to have feelings. Just don't let those feelings get out of control where they defeat you, where they beat you. Don't let those emotions get out of control. It's okay to have fear, but keep walking. It's okay to have fear, but keep walking forward in your fear, regardless of your circumstance. You can still be fearless. Now, to understand what was going on in Joshua's life, you kind of have to go back to what happened right before the text that we're reading today. And to do that, you have to remember a man by the name of Moses. Anybody ever heard of Moses? We've all heard of Moses. Moses was the one that led the children of Israel out of 400 years of Egyptian captivity. We've all seen the TV movie, or most of us have, right? When God sent a man by the name of Charlton Heston, I mean Moses, to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of Egyptian uh, slavery. Uh, remember how God parted the Red Sea and the people of God walked across on dry land. They walked across on dry ground. The Egyptian army pursued and chased after them. God 
closed in the seas on the Egyptian army. They all drowned. Moses was in charge of that whole deal, okay? Yeah, God was the really one in charge, but Moses was a leader. Well, Moses, this great, amazing leader, he dies. This is a huge blow to this guy I'm talking about today. His name was Joshua because Joshua served under Moses for most of his life. He lived life with Moses. He walked with Moses. He prayed with Moses. He was actually Moses' second in command. That's how high up he was with Moses. So Moses died, and Joshua goes into mourning. But not only Joshua, but all the children of Israel. It says in Deuteronomy 34, verse 8, The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. So for a month, the people of God are grieving and mourning after the loss of this amazing leader, Moses. Then God shows up. God steps onto the scene and says, hey, wait a minute, don't despair. This is not the end of your story. This is actually the beginning of the story. Look how Joshua 1 verse 1 reads. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready. Turn to your neighbor and just say, get ready. You can do better than that. Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. You don't have to yell at him, but get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan into the land that I'm about to give you, or to give them the Israelites. So the first thing I want to ask is, who's about to give them the land? Who is it? God. God's going to be the one that's about to give them the land. I would think that would pump them up a little bit. I would think that would get them a little bit excited. And then he even makes it better. Look at verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. He didn't say, I'll give you a few places here and there. He said, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. I want you to understand the weight of what is happening here. Moses has died. This amazing leader has died. God has put Joshua in command to lead over two million people toward the promised land. And think of Joshua. He's only one of two living people that were eyewitnesses to all of this taking place in Egypt. I mean, they saw, Joshua and Caleb saw the, um, uh, the plagues hit Egypt. They saw Moses go into Pharaoh and say, let my people go. They saw Moses uh, climb up on uh, Mount Sinai, bring back the Ten Commandments, amen? They saw all of this. They saw Moses hold out the rod, parted the Red Sea. They saw Moses come down with the glory of God shining all over his face. Now think about Joshua in his position. I mean, think about this new task that he's taken on. It is huge. But think about him. In the past, he could have, if he had a problem arise, he could have said, no problem, I'll take it to Moses. He knows how to figure that out. With Moses gone and dead, he can't. The buck stops at his tent now. You might say that he has some pretty big shoes or some really big sandals to fill. Amen? And don't you think it would have been pretty frightening? for Joshua to take on that whole role? When it comes to leaders, let me just test your knowledge today. Who remembers who was president after Abraham Lincoln? Probably unless you're a history buff, you don't. Chuck, you might know, but no, none of the rest of us know. I mean, who was prime minister after Winston Churchill? Probably most of us don't know, and you know why? Successors are generally overshadowed by the great leaders that came before them. This is actually what was happening to Joshua because he served under the enormous shadow of Moses. <clears throat> I kind of think that's why God called this book the book of Joshua instead of the book of Moses. Called it the book of Joshua because I think God is trying to tell us, hey, don't overlook my servant Joshua. 
He was an amazing guy. Extraordinary. He was awesome, faithful, hardworking, sold out to me in every one of my causes. And I think he's telling us all and them all today that you could learn a whole lot from the story of Joshua. Then he tells Joshua in verse 4, God says, Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. That's a lot of territory. Amen? Now notice this promise he gives next. No one. Who? No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. How would you feel if God came to you and said the same thing to you? No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. How would you feel if he says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you? How would you feel like uh, if he said, hey, you're going to be a success in everything you do. And in everything you do, you're going to be a success. And think about this. This wasn't a preacher telling them this. This wasn't even a book that they read. This was God. This was God that was speaking those very words. I would think if you and I would hear that, we'd be pretty confident. Amen? God says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's pretty incredible. Those are some amazing promises. But the next thing he says is a little bit confusing. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Why in the world would he have to tell them to be strong and courageous if God has already made them a promise that he's going to take care of everything? I'll tell you why he had to tell them to be strong and courageous, because he knew there were some things that were coming down the road in their lives where they were definitely going to need to be strong and courageous. They were going to have some battles. They were going to have some problems that they were going to have to deal with. That's why God repeats himself in verse 7. Then he gets uh, into some instructions, but verse 7 says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. He says, keep this book of the law, the Bible, always upon your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything within it and then get this part. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then you will be prosperous and successful. If you uh, are reading along and you circle things in your Bible, that word then would be a good word to circle. Circle it in your mind, if nothing else. God gives some amazing promises, but also they're promises that come with conditions. Again, go back to our theme scripture. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Guess what? That's their part to play. That's their part to do. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Victory Church, I believe this would be a moment that we need to give God a hand clap of praise. Because he's saying some very victorious words. He's saying some very victorious, fearless words. And he's not only speaking those words to that generation and to Joshua's group. Guess what? He's talking to us today. He's telling us the same thing where we live today and all the problems that you and I deal with. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the same God that was with Joshua is the same God that's going to be with you and me no matter what you're going through. No matter whatever you're dealing with. So today, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three things that we definitely need to realize. If you ever want to grow in your faith, I want to zoom back in on verse 3, where he says this amazing thing. He says, I will give you every place, not a few places. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. So if you're 
taking notes, the first thing we need to realize is that God's promises come with instructions. He not only makes promises, but he tells you how to fulfill them. God not only makes you the promise, but he tells you how to get it done. I mean, there's an order of events that has to take place. There's a process that has to take place. Let me ask you this. When do you think you receive the promise of God? When you step in obedience to what God has told you to do? Not a moment before, not a moment later. But the moment you step into what he's told you to do, that's when you're going to receive the promise. I believe God is telling Joshua and his whole group, the minute you put your foot there, you're going to receive my promise. The minute you put your foot there, that's when my plans are going to be unfolded right before you. You're going to receive my plans. I believe he's saying to move forward even if it doesn't make sense sometimes. The minute you step your foot in the right direction according to God's plan, guess what? That's when God can do the miraculous in your life. That's what God, when God can break the barriers that we've set for him. Amen? That's when he can do what he wants to do and do the miraculous. You can go all the way back to, the gen to Genesis and think of the man that he picked out, Abraham. Remember Abraham? Abraham, even though he didn't have any children, uh, God said, I'm going to bless you with a child. God says, hey, I know you're a, a card-carrying art member. I know that you're old, but you're going to have a child. You're going to have a child. You're going to have a son, and out of that son, I'm going to raise up a nation. And guess what? God did. God's faithful to his word. Look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I believe God wanted to bless the socks off of Abraham. But along the way, Abraham had to do something. He had to go. God told him to go. He had to go. If he wouldn't have gone, nothing would have happened. He had to obey. He had to do his part. So getting back to our Joshua story. He's telling Joshua and the people of God the same thing. But I kind of feel sorry for Joshua and his group a little bit. I'm thinking, God, wait a minute. They were in Egyptian slavery for 400 years. They've been wandering around in the desert and the wilderness for 40 years. They've lost their amazing leader, Moses. God, why can't you just give them a break and let them walk right into the promised land? Well, it's because God wasn't ready for them to walk into the promised land. Look at Joshua chapter 3, verse 4. God says, then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Where God was taking them, they had never been before. Where God was taking them, they didn't have a, have a clue what God had in store for them because they hadn't been there yet. They thought they were just going to cross across the Jordan River and go right into the promised land. But if you know the story, it wasn't exactly what God had in mind. They weren't just crossing a river. They weren't just crossing the Jordan River, they were crossing the Jordan River, and when they got to that side of the Jordan River, guess what? They had to fight 31 battles. They had to fight 31 battles to take a hold of the promises that God had given them. They didn't expect that at all. But God did. God knew they needed more strength. They weren't strong enough. God knew they needed more courage. They weren't courageous enough. God knew they needed more faith. God knew they needed more trust in Him now than what they had. And the whole reason is because the strength that you acquire on this side of the river is going to allow you to take hold of the promises on that side of the river. The things that you uh, receive on this side of the river, the strength, by all the things that you go through on this side of the river are going to allow you to take hold of the promises of God on that side of the river. God has strategically planted out that way. I believe God is saying to his people, I can't let you just walk in. 
you're not ready. You need the grind. Anybody ever heard that term? That's kind of a new term to me. I'm old-fashioned. But my son often gets up in the morning and does this, to me, amazing workout, physical workout. He'll get up and set his alarm clock for 5.30. He pushes snooze till 6. But he gets up, and he does this amazing physical workout. One day I said, why in the world would you get up at 6 o'clock? doesn't make any sense to me. Get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and put yourself through that. Guess what he told me? He said, the grind don't stop, Dad. The grind don't stop. The grind, that's the work. That's the battle. That's the, str- uh, the, the struggle. That's doing what it takes to get the results that you want. Amen? And I said all that to say that's exactly what God was saying to his people and to Joshua. The grind don't stop. God is saying, I know it's tough and I know it's hard. But I can't let you just walk across the river into the promised land because if I did, when you got there, you wouldn't be ready or equipped or prepared to fight the 31 battles that you have to fight. You'll never be able to take hold of my promises on that side of the river until you're willing to go through the grind on this side of the river. Amen? If you're not willing to go through the grind over here, you're not going to receive the promises of God over there. I think sadly to say people think today that God isn't paying attention when we go through something. We're going through the grind, and it's hard, and it's tough, and we think God's a million miles away. No, He's not a million miles away, and I think He's deliberately allowing us to go through the grind so that when we get to the other side, we can step into the calling. We can step into the plan that God has for our life. But guess what? Sometimes the only way you're going to get there is to go through the grind. The only way you're going to get there is to go through the battle, to go through the struggle. I was trying to think of a cool analogy that would help me to uh, explain this. I was trying to think of something macho, something manly, a football team story, an MMA wrestling story, something with a lot of testosterone, you know. But the best thing I could come up with was a butterfly. A butterfly, believe it or not. A butterfly actually understands that there's a process and an order of of events that has to take place before something else can take place. A butterfly understands that there is a grind that has to take place. Think about a butterfly. He wasn't always a butterfly. And right before he breaks out of that cocoon and takes flight and experiences experiences being the butterfly that God has called him to be, there's a grind. There's work. There's a battle. There's a fight. Oh, the butterfly might think, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fly, but he's not. He has to struggle sometimes for weeks, fighting, grinding, battling his way out of that cocoon so that finally when he's ready to uh, uh, become that butterfly, he's strong enough to bust himself out of that cocoon, and guess what? His wings are strong enough for him to fly and be the butterfly that God has called him to be. What do you think would happen if God just came up, even if one of us came up and just pulled the end of that uh, cocoon apart so the butterfly could fly free? Probably drop out and die. Because God had specially designed it to work with the grind, with the struggle. What I'm saying is God has done the same thing for you and I. The only way is to let that grind build you up. To let that struggle build you up so you can take hold of the plans of God. You can take hold of the purposes of God, the promises of God. This is how it was for Joshua in our text today and his people. This is how it is for every generation after that. This is how it is for all of us. God says you need the grind. You need the fight. You need the struggle. You need the battle because I've got some amazing things for you on the other side 
But you need to grind on this side to get to the other side to fulfill the promises that I've called you to fulfill. You're not alone. I believe God is saying, I'm with you every step of the way. You haven't been forgotten. I'm building you up. I'm building your strength. I'm building your faith. I'm building your trust in me. Because I've got some plans, and he's got plans for every one of us in this room, every one of us in this world, that we can't even grasp, that we can't even put our minds around. But there's a process to get there. There's a process. There's a struggle. There's a battle. And even with it said that God is going to be with us, it's still not easy because when your reality doesn't line up or when your circumstances don't exactly line up with the Word of God, how hard is that? Pretty hard. When you're thinking, God, these things should be a whole lot different. Nothing is working out. That's when you have to realize point number two. Realize God is God, God's Word is God's Word. You know, there are going to be some times in your life you have to, and I heard this a long time ago, you have to believe, well, God said it. I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You've got to take God's Word seriously. I think the problem we have in our world today, we make it all about positive thinking. And I'm not against thinking positive, but God doesn't make it all about positive thinking. You know, we say, we say I'll have faith if I can think positive about this, I think positive about that. But look what God says in verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, conditional again, then you will be able to prosper and be successful. The bottom line is real faith is trusting in God and what he says and doing it. Amen? But if you don't know what he says, how are we going to do it? People, we need to rely on God's word. People, we need to read God's word. You're not going to get enough scriptures here on a Sunday morning to sustain you. It might give you a jump start, but it's never ever going to really build your faith like it should. My point is, how can you trust God to even know what he's telling you to do or not to do if you never get in his word? How many remember those cool bracelets uh, years ago, uh, WWJD? Anybody remember those? They were cool. I had several. I wore several. They're cool, but they're kind of, I'll say this lightly, dumb at the same time, only because some people wore them more as a fashion statement than anything else. They would live their lives wearing this bracelet and act like they knew what Jesus would do, but they'd never taken the time to get in God's Word to see what Jesus did, to what Jesus would do and what He was telling them to do. Because it's more about positive thinking. It's more, about, more than just about feeling good. Faith starts with instruction and then obeys the instruction. It's really about trusting God to do what He says, even when it's scary. It's about trusting God to do what He says, even when things are uncertain, which brings me to my last point, if you're taking notes. God is always with us. I've already given you some scriptures. I'm going to quickly read them again. But Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then in verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Some amazing promises. Don't you think the devil's still going to hit you with fear? Yeah, he's given us those promises. He hits me with fear every day. Fear is one of Satan's, Satan's greatest weapons to use against us. Fear, worry, and anxiety can cast a shadow of doubt over your life and darkness over your life to keep you from making the decisions that you need to make. And the most common lie that Satan uses is to instill fear in us. To instill fear in us, to make us think that God is not with us when we're going through hard times. That God is a hundred miles away. And he usually hits us at your lowest times. Amen? 
But if you just knew the Word of God, there are thousands upon thousands of Scriptures that say the opposite. In fact, I've always been told, I never counted them up for myself, but I've heard that there are 365 fear nots in the Bible where God is saying, fear not for I'm with you. And I just look at that one for every day of the year. I even heard somebody stretch it a little bit probably and say, well, there's even one for leap year. I don't know. But I do believe that God has said that we don't have to fear. The best way to remind ourselves of the promises God has made is to get in the Word and find them for ourselves. So today, and I don't know if you've noticed or not, but on your note sheets, I've got seven scriptures. There are thousands upon thousands of scriptures saying, do not be afraid by God. I've given you seven. I'd encourage you to put them in your Bible. I'd encourage you to put them on the sun visor of your car. Put them on your refrigerator at home. But definitely put them in your heart so that you can win the battle when fear tries to hit your home, when fear tries to hit your life. Going back to that story I told in the beginning, I wasn't in that fight alone. And all of a sudden when I realized I wasn't in that fight alone, I got a whole lot braver. I had a whole lot more courage. I had a lot more confidence. I'm only saying this to say, people, you're not in this alone. You're not in this life alone. You're not in your struggle alone. You're not in your fight alone. No matter what you're going through or what you're ever going to go through, God says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. If you'll just trust in me, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Even when you don't think he's near, he's near. Because we walk by faith and not by feelings, right? Not by emotions. Think about this. Do you think God would send his only son to die on a cross so that he could just sit back and watch you fail? Do you think he would do that? Do you think God that loves us would abandon us in our time of desperate need? No. I believe God is with us through it all, and he's just waiting. He's just waiting for you and me to reach for him. Today, I believe today's the day to reach for him for some of us. Oh, tomorrow might be the day to reach for him for others. But we all need to reach for him. I believe we've got a choice to make. We can walk in fear or we can walk in faith. Walk in fear or walk in faith. You may not know how, you may not know when, as that old song says. But God can do it again. Amen? He can be with you, and He will be with you. I have to say this, if you're living in fear on a daily basis, maybe it's because you don't know this Heavenly Father that I'm talking about. Maybe you don't quite realize who He is. I heard a story about how one day on the coast of Scotland, at the top of a steep cliff, uh, stood a group of rescuers who were trying to figure out a plan how to lower a rope down over to a hiker that had fallen off this steep edge of the cliff. Well, there was a small shepherd boy that was there. They were thinking, wow, he would be perfect. This is kind of a precarious place to get into. He's small. He's used to these mountains. We'll lower him down. Well, they suggested it. He said, no way. I won't go. He was afraid. They, they tried to prove to him, no, this rope is huge, it's enormous, it'll never break, you'll be fine. He still was afraid. All of a sudden, his eyes got real big because his father walked up into the circle. And the moment he saw his father, he says, I tell you what, as long as my dad, as long as my father holds the rope, I'll go. What am I saying to you today? No matter what situation you're in, no matter what struggle you're in, no matter what crisis you're in, no matter what problem you're in, your Heavenly Father's got your rope. And He's not about to let go. And it's not going to break. Because God's got it under His control. You don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. Because God is a God that holds tomorrow. 
You don't have to be a word worried about the things that lie ahead. And I'll just say, you, say to you today, our potential is wrapped up in His potential. Our potential is wrapped up in His potential. Our potential as Christians is beyond your imagination. No matter how small you feel today or insignificant, God wants to do some huge things in your life, and all we have to do is obey Him. All we have to do is obey the command, be strong and courageous, and guess what? God will do the rest. God will do the rest. God will see you through. I don't know what you're dealing with today. I don't know what you're going through. But I pray with all of my heart that God has connected in your heart to say, I'm going to take a hold of you, God. I'm going to go through the grind on this side of the river so that I can take a hold of the promise on that side of the river. I don't know what it is, but we all have something. So this morning, I pray that God would move in His own mighty way to do what only He can do in your life. I'm going to have you stay seated as I pray today because we're going to have the ushers come up to service communion immediately after the prayer. But if this has hit home in your heart, and I pray it has, if this has hit home in your heart today, could you in your mind and your heart make a reach for Him? With every head bowed, every eye closed, just symbolically, just I don't care if you just raise a pinky or raise your arm, but raise your arm, raise your pinky, raise your heart to God and reach for Him for your situation. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Help us to be like this boy in this story. Help us to realize that we can be fearless because our Heavenly Father holds the rope of every situation we're dealing with. Lord, I thank You that You've given a promise that as You were with Moses, You'll be with us. As You were with Joshua, You'll be with us. That we're never alone. Father, You're with us in every battle that we face. And Father, I know there are some people in here that are facing battles. Battles of heartache and heartbreak. Battles of broken relationships. Battles of uh, health situations and health problems. I pray today that our hearts would be reaching for you. That you're with us in these battles, in these fights, these struggles. Help us to trust you. Help us to read, get into your word for ourselves. And help us to walk in victory through Christ. Every day of our lives, relying and trusting on you. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, Amen.